Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com And we are live. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hello, Hello there, Hello, 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 Welcome, Welcome to Radio, to Radio 5G. 5G. This, this is Michael is Henry, Henry Dunn, Dunn here, here on uh, Wednesday, the 22nd of January. Pardon me, January. <laughs> yeah, Michael's here. Uh, welcome to September. And uh, Nancy Hopkins, my esteemed co-host, we've got um, a pretty interesting piece of tape you're bringing forward from uh, Simone Gold, as I understand, which we know it's good because it's been banned from YouTube. Um, which we're going to share with everybody for about the next 55 minutes. You want to just give us a little intro on this, Captain? Well, actually, it was banned from Facebook, probably YouTube, too. But um, this is America's Frontline Doctors that Simone, uh, well, I'm not exactly sure what presentation. She's on a stage. She's doing it by herself, so it is a presentation. And I am not exactly sure what the, you know, uh, event was but she has been out there I've seen her I, I've heard her on other you know talk thingies with other people but this is the first time that I saw her do her own presentation and she's just you know she's just one of those doctors that saw the truth and and is just talking about it like she sees it so I I think you're going to enjoy it like I, I said to you earlier it's an easy listen in that it's not, it's it's an easy listen. I think you'll, you know, it's hard to say enjoy this stuff. You know, this stuff right. is awful, yeah. awful news. Oh, oh, great. More good news about the bleak, um, you know, overcoming of humanity and the crushing of human freedom and the pandemic uh, population depopularized. Yeah, it, it <laughs> well, we can enjoy it because it's um, good information spoken by a brave person who's doing good work. Well, she's also back, this is back in January. Oh, um, okay. okay. which is, you know, uh, I was having a hard time finding a good, you know, hour-long conversation by her. And this January one kept coming up, and I always try to follow, you know, my guidance. So I said, all right, let me just lis- listen to it, you know, because I, I try to get the most current. But what she was saying back in January is just like, okay, now, this vaccination has got these problems, and this is what you're going to see, and blah, blah. And now we're, we're, you know, eight months later, and, you know, yeah, she she nailed it. Oh, uh, wow. Okay, so, uh, and it also, it, the presentation is one where it's, it's, it's an overview you know, and so you 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 go. You know all of the what she's going to tell you, but she's telling it like, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, all right. You know, it's like a real reminder. I I I came back to getting the basics again. You know, because you can get lost uh, in the details. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're uh, you have some very knowledgeable, brave doctor explaining to you about you know the. RNA and the uh, you know how the 
the Moderna is actually uh, a gene therapy and yeah, you know, lay people can get a little lost in it. So when you got somebody who can really lay it out clear, that's really helpful. Okay, so shall we start it? Let's roll. Okay. We'll be right back. Well, we'll play we'll play a little break song after that. And then we'll come yeah, back. Yeah, and we'll come back and talk with everybody. Okay. This is a Rumble video, Dr. Simone Gold Station from January 21st, 2021. You might want to note there's 1,361,307 views. Dr. Simone Gold of America's Frontline Doctors, the truth about the COVID vaccine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so... Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I come to you tonight with a lot of information about the experimental vaccines, what's called the experimental vaccines regarding COVID-19. I think all of this information will be brand new to you. I know that this was all brand new to me over the last few months, even as a board certified emergency physician, I did not know a lot of what I'm about to share with you. And I come before you on behalf of America's Frontline Doctors, which is a volunteer physician organization that we started specifically to combat the serious and, and life-threatening disinformation campaign that has really taken over America and really the entire globe. It's very, very scary stuff. I've been a doctor for a long time. Before me, my father is a doctor. I've never seen anything like this where we have groups of physicians or scientists and government bureaucrat agencies essentially lying to the American people and people across the world. I have many, many examples. One, of, one brief example I'll give you is that the National Institute of Health right now has as its policy recommendation for patients with COVID-19 stating that unless you're in the hospital requiring oxygen, there's no actual treatment available for you. That is a complete falsehood, completely false. In most of the world, uh, non-first world countries, there's plenty of treatment easily available, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Here in America, if you can find a doctor to prescribe it, you get those medicines or budesonide. There's, there's many options, and you know, this disinformation is why we came public. When we started to speak out uh, around July, or a little bit sooner, but we got a lot of attention starting in July, you know, we were promptly, as the pastor said, deplatformed, and it doesn't bother me so much. I know the information. It bothers me tremendously on behalf of all of humanity, right? This is a crime against humanity. There's a, there's a physician in the Netherlands who's bringing a lawsuit in The Hague, calling it that, calling this a crime against humanity. There was a lot of information you haven't heard. There was a Senate testimony about a month ago. A bunch of doctors went and testified. It was, I believe, it was Senator Johnson as the chairman. You can find it on our website, americasfrontlinedoctors.com, but the doctors testified that the vast majority of deaths in America would have been, would have not, not ever happened, not ever happened. Um, I start with that because when you understand, you, you must understand the magnitude of the lie to understand what they're trying to tell you about these experimental vaccines. So we need to just kind of go through that for a little bit. In, yeah, okay. So... I know some of you heard a little this first sentence which I said this morning, but the disinformation was apparent since the beginning, right? We call this illness COVID-19, but its real name should be after the location from where it arose, which is Wuhan, China, 
And if you remember, it was called the Wuhan virus for long, you know, a while, I don't know, a month or so, before we discovered the Chinese Communist Party didn't like that name. They set about putting a lot of pressure on media and other you know, politicians, let's say, to change it, and they started calling it the coronavirus. They called it the coronavirus because it is actually a coronavirus, but that became very confusing to doctors and scientists because there are seven coronaviruses. This is just number seven. So we used to use the word coronavirus sometimes on our charts when we meant a common cold. You know, a person would come into the ER in my case and they, they just had a common cold and I would sometimes write coronavirus on the chart as a diagnosis. So it was pretty confusing for doctors and scientists to call it the coronavirus, right? So they had to change the name again and it became known by its acronym Coronavirus Disease 2019, COVID-19. I have to start there because it was never a racist or, or weird thing to call it the Wuhan virus. Right? There's so many diseases that are named after the location from which they arise. There's Zika and Ebola, there's Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, Lyme Disease. I mean, the list is endless. German measles, Spanish flu. This list is endless. So you need to understand that deception was there from the very beginning. So that was the first big lie. The next big lie, the, the next big popular well-known lie, was the maligning of this common, ordinary, cheap, safe medication called hydroxychloroquine. Those of you who've traveled abroad, who've taken mission trips, for example, or anybody in the military are quite familiar with this drug. Doctors would just give it out, you know, like candy. I know that I was going to take a holiday to Africa about 20 years ago, and I was a medical student at the time, and they just handed me the pills. Here you go. I never asked any questions. It was a big, fat, nothing burger <laughs> taking hydroxychloroquine. All of a sudden, we started hearing as doctors, even as doctors, that hydroxychloroquine was unsafe. You can't understand what's going on with the lies until you understand what an enormous lie this is. Hydroxychloroquine is over-the-counter in much of the world. Okay? It's taken in many African nations. They call it Sunday Sunday medicine because you take it every Sunday. right? That's like its name, Sunday Sunday. People keep it in their pocket the way Americans might keep a Tylenol in their purse. It's, it's, it's absolutely ordinary stuff. It was over-the-counter really in any country which had malaria or any country that had citizens that would visit malaria countries on holiday, it was over-the-counter. For example, it was over-the-counter in France. The only reason it wasn't over-the-counter in America is there just wasn't a consumer demand. Right? In America, we use hydroxychloroquine for two main reasons. That's lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, and also for malaria for people going on holiday. But generally, it's lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, and for those illnesses, patients regularly see physicians so they can get a prescription for it. That's why it was never over-the-counter here. Not because it was unsafe. It's been FDA approved for 65 years. We give it to babies, we give it to children, we give it to pregnant women, we give it to nursing mothers, we give it to the elderly, and we give it to the immune compromised. Those last two categories take this medication for decades. There was never a pretense that it's not safe. That's the drug that you've been hearing about for nine months now, 10 months, telling you it's unsafe. It's an incredible lie of incredible proportions. Once you understand that, you will be suspicious of everything that follows. So that's where I found myself. There I was in the emergency department, treating patients as they came in with COVID-19. And once we had the rapid test so I can confirm the diagnosis, my first patient, who I needed to give hydroxychloroquine and zinc to, I did it, and, and even knowing the kind of the controversy, I really didn't think twice about it. It, it. I don't know. It was fine. I gave it to her. I actually called her the next day. She was so much better. She herself got better within about 12 hours. In about 48 hours, she was essentially completely well. This completely matched what I had read in the scientific literature. I knew many doctors who had done this. I'd read many journal articles. It was, com it was, it was completely consistent. 
What was really shocking and completely inconsistent was my medical director who calls me the next day and threatens to fire me for doing this, this treatment. It was, it was, I, I can't even tell you, to the, even as I describe this moment to you, it's shocking to me. I remember the case, the situation, the conversation, and he's saying he's going to fire me. And I said, why would you fire me over this? Well, I don't think it works. I said, well, then don't prescribe it. <laughs> you know, you haven't read the science the way I have. I know it works. You'll change your mind in a couple of months when, you know, you get a little wiser. But why would you get involved with, with, you know, me treating a patient? You do your thing, I do my thing. That's how medicine is practiced. We are licensed as individuals. It's actually against the law to have what's called a corporate practice of medicine where, you know, corporation practices for you. It has to be the individual doctor's physician. That's why patients go to multiple doctors, right? You know. And, and really, the, almost the worst part of the conversation was not even that he was ignorant that the drug worked, but his reasons for saying that he was going to fire me if I did this. And the reason, which he put in writing because he wasn't so smart, <laughs> he said it was because the, the, the biggest payer at that hospital, which is a large insurance company that everyone here has heard of that's back on the West Coast mainly, didn't want us to prescribe it. They were blocking it. So that payer insurance company was pressuring the hospital that their doctor shouldn't do it. It had nothing to do with even if he thought it was good or bad for the patient. It all had to do with money and payment, which was, I honestly, I, I still can't believe I'm relating this story. It was really unbelievable. So he said, I could never do that again. I said, well, good luck with that. So, <laughs> so it kept happening. It happened about four or five times. And I kind of knew that my days at that particular hospital were, really were going to be numbered, right? I mean, how long is this going to last? So I started looking online for other physicians like myself. I knew I couldn't be the only one. And I found the most amazing group of doctors, really just brilliant, intelligent, compassionate, kind. And, and you know, we got together and we called ourselves the America's Frontline Doctors. And what I felt needed to happen was we needed to break this disinformation cycle to which the Americans were all being subjected to and people across the world as well. So I set up to do something called the White Coat Summit, which was an entire day of education. We brought doctors, and we brought social media influencers, uh, young people know them as YouTubers. So we brought a whole bunch of YouTubers and a whole bunch of doctors. We brought to Washington. We did seven hours of education. And we laid out all the facts, all the facts, you know, very dispassionate. Here's the facts on hydroxychloroquine. Here's the facts on lockdowns. Here's the facts on masks. Here's the facts on, you know, schools and kids transmission. Here's the facts for the elderly. Here's the facts on... Um, you know, other treatments other than hydroxychloroquine, and we did that. In the middle of that day, we took a break and we walked over to the Supreme Court, and that was the video that got 20 million views. It gets 20 million views not because I can sing like Beyonce, but <laughs> because human beings recognize truth. We have something inside of us, right? right? I really emphasize that point because you can't get to 20 million views. Nobody plans such a thing. It's only if people say, oh my gosh, you got to listen to this, you got to listen to this, you recognize the truth, you recognize the truth. So I guess after a while, big tech, you know, caught up with the fact that this was like breaking the internet. And so within an hour, all of the, all of the platforms censored us simultaneously. So it's, it's essentially a monopoly. So we're talking YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of us, all went down immediately. The president had retweeted us, the president's son had retweeted us. And from that mo moment on, everything really kind of changed. I did get fired from both of my hospitals. It is a scary experience to get fired, especially when you've worked as long as I have to be a board-certified emergency physician. That's what I do. You know, I'm a mom. I have kids. You know, it's not a comfortable feeling to be fired. You don't know what the future holds. 
on the other side of this, which is now several months, it's really been a blessing, right? Because we doctors have been able to come forward and speak freely and help other doctors who've been put in this situation. There are several of my peers, several doctors in the America's Frontline Doctors Group that have faced tremendous personal pushback. There's a fellow right now in Oregon who refused to force the mask, right? So he won't wear and he won't force his, ma his staff to wear it. If you want to wear it, you could wear it. Um, but the state of, he was public about it, so the state of Oregon actually yanked his medical license. And when, I, when he first told me this, I thought, I thought, you know, this, this can't be possible because you may not know, but I'm, well, I, mean, I guess you know I'm also an attorney, and it, made, it was impossible to conceive of an event like that happening without due process. I mean, the whole thing about law, if anybody's been involved in the law at all, it's all about process. You've got to go through the process. You can't just pull someone's license. You have to have hearings and phone calls and papers filed and all that. I, I really just thought, oh, he missed his deadlines, you know? There's no, but it was true. They actually just summarily pulled his license. It's, it's unbelievable. So we're going to help him win. We've already filed a lawsuit and all that. So, but, but what I'm saying is it comes with some degree of personal cost, but if you ask him, he'll tell you that he's so much happier that he did this. Right? He said this. He just, he felt that he couldn't bow to the tyranny. So I just want to encourage anybody in their own personal life, when you face that little tyranny on a daily basis, you, you know, this is Florida, but you know, I hail from California and you can't go anywhere without a mask, except I do. I go without a mask as much as I possibly can. And you have to take moments like that and push up against tyranny. And it's not just for you, right? It strengthens your sense of freedom for yourself and it makes you stronger. It's also to role model that strength for other people. So if you feel, yeah? And, and I say that because a lot of us who are very good-hearted people, we don't really have the strength sometimes to fight on our own behalf. Well, then tell yourself you're doing it for the other person who needs to see you without the mask so they can feel empowered. So I want to run through um, some information. And the, the goal is to teach you about what's coming in terms of these experimental vaccines. And I'm going to start with a few minutes, maybe five minutes, on just kind of reviewing the lies about what's going on with COVID generally, and then we'll turn to that. And sit tight, because it's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. First, um, when I first started this, I really just wanted to help patients. You know, I, was, I couldn't believe that patients were being denied this, this drug, and I could sense that we were not going to be able to fix this from a government kind of policy position because the doctors themselves had drunk the Kool-Aid and not been willing to prescribe this drug. And I tried very hard to get the policy changed so that hydroxychloroquine could become over-the-counter in our country just like it is in much of the world. That would have been the best solution for everybody because it would have taken the decision-making out of the hands of the government. You could have decided for yourself if you needed this medicine and the advantage of having that pill in your possession meant that the majority of people would have stopped living in fear. So that was the best solution, but we were unsuccessful in getting that. So I did the next best thing, America's Frontline Doctors, not I, just a group of us, and we made getting hydroxychloroquine available um, for the entire nation by going to our website then you can consult with a telemedicine doctor and whether you have COVID or you don't have COVID, or you're just worried about getting COVID, you can get yourself a prescription and they mail it to you. That was the first thing we did and I, I felt so strongly about it just because that's, that's a, a practical way that you can try to lift the fear. But I learned pretty early that the big fight was the fear. The big fight wasn't the virus, it was the fear. 
this, that was my response to the fear, was, was to give people a practical solution. Now, the fear has led to people, they, they really just want to go back to normal lives. So they're either con, kind of consumed with fear or consumed with just being weary of the whole situation. That is what I think is leading to people making what is really a fundamentally irrational decision to rush headlong towards an experimental medication. They just kind of want to get their lives back. Right? We've been told, oh, get the vaccine, you'll get your life back. I have to give you the bad news. That is definitely not what's going to happen. Whether you take a shot or you don't take a shot, it's not going to happen. You know, Dr. Fauci has gone public already with saying, and as many others, the Surgeon General, many others have said, it was in Business Journal just today, Business Insider, I think, just today, you know, this, this so-called vaccine, experimental biological agent, actually doesn't stop transmission. You're going to have to keep going with the masks and the social distancing. It actually changes nothing. Once you hear that, you really have to question why you would put yourself in that situation. So that's the starting point. Let's talk about some enduring COVID-19 myths. First of all, I'm probably going to, I'm glad that, you know, I can't be deplatformed here, but. <laughs> Let, let's just talk basics about the numbers. Okay, what is the chance that you'll survive COVID if you should get it? Okay, so uh, this is a very educated audience. <laughs> So if you're under age 20, according to the CDC, which is not known for its honesty, the survival rate is 99.997%. Why are we talking about anything in that group? There's nothing to talk about. For ages 20 to 49, the survival rate is 99.98%. 50 to 69, the survival rate is 99.5%. I always kind of pause there because a lot of people in their 50s, they start to get worried and they think, oh my gosh, I'm in such a high risk group. It's not really that true. Right? This is with no treatment, your survival is 99.5%. And if you're over 70, the survival rate approaches 95%, really with, with no treatment. Now, the dirty little secret, it's, it's even better than that. Right? If you take early treatment, this is essentially a, a, either asymptomatic or very mildly symptomatic or completely recoverable. The people who die from COVID-19 are people who are kind of destined to die in this period anyway. My which, is, which is tragic, but as people of faith, you understand that life and death go hand in hand. So my father had an expression, it was that a pneumonia is an old man's best friend. And that means that pneumonia is often the way we exit this world. So if you are at kind of the end point of your life, COVID-19 can take you out. That's a fact. So can a common cold. I've seen it. I once had a patient in the ICU who died essentially from a nosebleed. It kind of escalated. So anything can take you out if you're frail. And COVID-19 is in that category. Overwhelmingly, the deaths of COVID-19 are in nursing home patients. And I have to mention that because if there was truly uh, the intent to quote-unquote save lives, people would not have thrown away our frail elderly. The politicians that are telling you to do this thing over here had no problem throwing away the lives of the very frail elderly over here. I don't know how many, if anybody in this room was watching the coronavirus task force meetings as closely as I was, but I was watching them every day that I wasn't at work. 
And I remember watching Governor Cuomo, and he was saying that he had to protect the elderly, had to protect the elderly, had to protect the elderly. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. And then one day, literally out of the blue, because I was watching it every day, he made this rule that patients from nursing homes who went to the hospital with COVID-19, but were, were survived and were ready to be discharged from the hospital, could be sent back to their nursing home and the nursing home was not allowed to ask if they were COVID positive or COVID negative. In other words, they could completely intermingle with the other patients. Now, to remind you, that big Navy ship that was stationed off of New York City and the Jacob Javits Center were virtually empty. Now, what's amazing about that, as an emergency physician, I know all the time we have bed problems, you don't have a bed here, you don't have a bed there, but it was a complete lie to say that there was no room for these patients or they would lose their beds in the nursing home. There were thousands and thousands of empty beds between Jacob Javits and the, and the Navy ship. And I remember watching this and thinking, that is unbelievable. He's like, a, he's like an executioner. It was incredible. So I wouldn't believe anything that somebody like that has said. It's tragic. It was really tragic. It, you know, he'll have to answer, he'll have to answer, yeah, yeah. So I start with all of that because you have to understand that the magnitude of the lies is just so enormous. Are, are you all, should I take a moment, are you all familiar with the Lancet, the controversy with that? Oh, uh, this is a good one, okay, all right. So <laughs> I digress here, but it's too good to leave out. So um, the Lancet is probably the world's most famous medical journal. All right, New England Journal of Medicine is probably second most famous, JAMA, third most famous. So sometime around April, I think, the Lancet published this study that concluded that hydroxychloroquine wasn't safe. This threw the world into a tizzy. Based on this article, the WHO stopped um, hydroxychloroquine trials across the world, the European Union stopped allowing hydroxychloroquine. That was the reason that the headlines trashed the president as, as calling it snake oil. They had the cover of the Lancet saying it was bad. Now the Lancet study that said it was bad had like 90,000 people in it and it was, took place on five continents and it just didn't really make sense. There was a group of independent doctors who looked at this data and said, there's no way you have 90,000 patients enrolled in a trial across five continents and nobody ever heard of this thing. It was just, it wasn't credible. So these independent doctors got together and they kind of forced it and they forced the issue. And the Lancet ended up retracting the study, which is once in a generation or once in a lifetime sort of event. You can't be published in the Lancet by accident. There's many, many layers to it. It just simply can't happen. It was complete fraud that was published. But the damage was done because all across the world hydroxychloroquine trials have been halted and it was very badly maligned. That's where we're coming from. Why do we know? We know that that was fraud. They've admitted they were fraud. If you go right now to the internet, you can type in the Lancet study on hydroxychloroquine and it'll pop up retracted. Okay? Now, why do I say, so that was, that was like level number one of the corruption where the scientists themselves were being corrupted. Level number two, though, is the media, the media lying. How do we know they're lying and not just misinformed or ill-informed themselves? Well, because when it was retracted, they buried the story of its being retracted. You have to really struggle to find that information. That's very dishonest. And then there's corruption really at the state level and at the federal level, but we'll save that for another day. So let's talk about these, what I call I think it's most properly called experimental biological agents. You might hear me use that phrase. Definitely you should not be calling this the COVID-19 vaccines. The reason is, whatever you call it, it's experimental. It's not been approved as a vaccine. 
It's currently in its investigational stage. It's been approved by uh, the, I don't want to misspeak, which uh, the FDA, I assume, is the one who would approve it, but it's in an investigational stage only. AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. That's very important legally. If you were to be injured by something and it's an experimental stage, it's adjudicated under a particular standard. So what, what, is, what are the potential problems with this experimental biological agent? The first most obvious is that this is brand new technology. The first two that are coming to market use something called mRNA technology, which has never, ever been used before for vaccines. This is when, when you hear a, a lot of the more kind of concerning and flamboyant issues, it's because people are very worried that this is brand new mRNA technology. I don't really go down that path, but what I can say is I don't really want to be the first person to take brand new things when it comes to medicine, right? You don't have to be a genius to say that. So that's problem number one. Problem number two is there's been a tremendous failure of previous coronavirus vaccines. This is not well known, but there are multiple coronavirus viruses out there. For example, in 2002, there was an epidemic, a much smaller one, but an epidemic of SARS-CoV-1. What we're in right now is SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-1 and SARS-CoV-2, by the way, you may have heard it called the novel coronavirus, are what we're in right now. I never understood that because this coronavirus is 78% identical to SARS-CoV-1. That's, in fact, that's why it has the name SARS-CoV-2. <laughs> They're 78% the same. So prior coronavirus um, vaccine attempts have been made they have failed. They can't do it safely in human beings. And I'm gonna talk more about that later, but just note that we've not been able to successfully overcome the, the human bodily hurdles that making a vaccine against a coronavirus has put up. Number three, there is no independently published animal studies. One of the companies d says they do have animal studies, but they haven't published any data on it. There's been a complete rush to put this to market, and you simply cannot do this safely without published data on animal studies, because animals often will die at the end, and unless we know that, we don't know if it's safe to give to humans. Okay, problem number four is known complications. One of the most commonly known complications of vaccines is something called, big science words coming up, guys, antibody-dependent enhancement. It's also sometimes called immune enhancement, and it's sometimes called pathogenic priming. What this is, is instead of really causing immunity, it causes a person to overreact in a negative way if they should ultimately be exposed to the virus. This thing called antibody-dependent enhancement or pathogenic priming, although you haven't heard of it, is well known to scientists. I like to say it has its own Wikipedia page. This is not fringe. This exists and this is real. The biggest problem with antibody-dependent enhancement, we see this with prior coronavirus vaccines. So when they were doing the studies with SARS-CoV-1 vaccine back in 2005, they came up with a vaccine and they gave it to the ferrets and it was two-dose like the ones today and the ferrets did fine after the first dose, they did fine after the second dose Later, they exposed them to the coronavirus, SARS-CoV-1, in the wild, and the ferrets died. That's why SARS-CoV-1 vaccine never came to market. Antibody-dependent enhancement. 
You can find all the information I'm discussing on americasfrontlinedoctors.com, vaccine information. Also, I'll get to at the end at the stopmedicaldiscrimination.org site. It has it there as well. Everything is well footnoted and referenced. So known complications include antibody-dependent enhancement and also some of the things you've seen in the news, like neurologic problems, like transverse myelitis, Bell's palsy, Guillain-Barre, et cetera. Those are known complications with vaccines that already exist. There's also a lot of issues with unknown vaccinations. I think what's going wrong on the other side is a, is, is a complete lack of respect for what you don't know. We don't know what we don't know until you discover it. I mean, these are the things parents teach their children. They don't know enough, right? So what are the potential unknowns? Well, something that I learned this year, actually in the last few months, which I was shocked because I never saw this anywhere in the newspaper, and I'd like a show of hands from anybody here who's heard of this before my mentioning it. Has anybody here heard of potential fertility problems with this vaccine? That's amazing, you guys. Congrats. I, I did not know this myself until about maybe two months ago. So I had to look into it. And by the way, the America's Frontline doctors put together 10 doctors working for more than a month to put together all this research. So there's a question if this vaccine a biological agent, I should say, affects this thing called the syncytiotrophoblast, which is a layer on the placenta. Now, it does seem to do that when you're sick with COVID-19. The problem is that these mRNA vaccines kind of mimic having COVID-19 indefinitely. So while COVID-19 could be bad for the placenta and the baby, if you get it like in the middle of the pregnancy, eventually COVID-19 goes away and you go about your life and then you're good. There's a question if this type of experimental agent does that same negative effect to the syncytiotrophoblast layer of the placenta, and it would do it indefinitely. This is not a conspiracy. As a scientist, I'm telling you, we don't know. We don't know. Scientists better than me, right? There's two guys in Europe that were ex-Pfizer executives that complained about this and filed a petition with the European equivalent of the FDA saying you've got to not approve this as an emergency experimental vaccine because we haven't answered the question on the antibody-dependent enhancement and we haven't answered the question on the placenta. It hasn't been answered, that it's dangerous to release this. And you have to put that together with what is the risk of even having this problem. Certainly in younger women, right, women under 50, the survival, we said, per the CDC, is 99.98%. For that reason, America's Frontline Doctors feels very strongly that you cannot even offer this to women of childbearing age. So, and I'll, we'll get to our official recommendations at the end. But I put, we put that information under the category of what we don't know. We simply don't know. We don't know what the effect is permanently on the placenta. Another fact that is very concerning is that pharmaceuticals who manufacture these experimental biological agents are immune from all liability. So you probably, this group probably knows that. But I'm not saying that they have a negative motive. I think mostly they have a profit motive. I'm not saying they're trying to hurt people or kill people. What I am saying is that if you know that you could be sued and pay out millions of dollars every single time something goes wrong, you're really, really careful, okay? You're a little less careful if you know you're going to be shielded from that liability. And they're completely shielded. So when people ask me, you know, am I going to take the vaccine? Would I recommend my children take the vaccine? I said, it's, it's really irrational to take a brand new, untested, untried technology from a company that's completely shielded from immunity. When on the other hand, I've got a drug that's 65 years old, has been given billions of time, completely safe for all age groups. Right? 
Now, those are the safety concerns with this experimental biological agent. What are the concerns regarding the effectiveness? Now, what's super shocking is that there's no proof that this biological agent actually stops the transmission amongst people. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like a joke, right? This is like a joke. It's like the punchline to a joke. Let's take a vaccine, and by the way, it doesn't actually stop transmission. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I, I discovered that quite recently, and I, I just I couldn't believe it. And that's, by the way, that's not in dispute now that I'm telling you that. The Surgeon General gave an interview uh, 20 days ago, last two, two weeks and six days ago on a Monday, to Good Morning America stating that. And it's been well documented now. It, does not, it is not known if it stops transmission. Um, I think what's going to happen, you know, it's kind of putting people into sort of an asymptomatic carrier kind of state. In other words, people are turning positive. You might have started to see some news stories now, people taking the vaccine, and now they're testing positive for COVID-19. It's kind of funny. Like, we don't, are they going to test positive forever? Like, what does that mean? You know, they've been selling us this bill of goods that there's this asymptomatic transmission, and that seems to be moot. But if you're going to have, you know, tens or hundreds of millions running around just kind of positive low level, like, what does that mean? Like, why are we doing that? Another problem with doing that is I think they're going to game the numbers, right? All these people, let's say you give this vaccine to 100 million people, and now all 100 million people are quote-unquote testing positive for COVID-19. They're going to tell us that the cases have risen and, you know, we can never relax. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, there's been no proof that this is actually reducing mortality, certainly from the levels of non-lethality that we're seeing, it would be hard to demonstrate that there's any real advantage, right? The, the odds of dying from this illness are already incredibly low. The third question about its effectiveness, we simply don't know, even if it was effective and not dangerous, we don't know how long it lasts. In other words, are you going to be asked to take this vaccine once in a lifetime, or are you going to be asked to take this vaccine yearly like influenza? We don't know. Those questions are not answered. So, I want to also, I, I keep referencing the fact that we need to call this by its proper name. Never talk about this without the word experimental. That's critical. One of the problems that we doctors are concerned about, about this antibody-dependent enhancement potential, which we, again, I'm not saying it exists or it doesn't exist, I'm saying it hasn't been answered, is if you're going to run around and give this vaccine to a whole bunch of healthy people, you have to be really, really sure. Taking a vaccine is very different than taking a drug for a disease. If you have a disease, you're certainly willing to take on more risk, right, to get rid of the disease. But vaccines are typically given to healthy people. Now, what's going to happen if you give this vaccine to 100 million people that are otherwise healthy? and they do have this antibody-dependent enhancement reaction because we haven't ruled it out, they do get exposed to the virus in the wild, and 30% of them drop. And what if, for example, you've given that vaccine to all of your healthcare workers, and you've given that vaccine to all of your military and all of your police officers? I find this shocking as a public policy matter that we would even consider giving, these, giving anything to our healthy first responders and, and frontline people who defend our country. I, it, it's, it's, it's so shocking in its, in its risk. It, it, I, 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 you see me, I'm struggling for the words. It's so shocking to accept that kind of risk. 
And again, I want to be not misquoted. I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen, but I'm saying based on prior SARS, prior SARS COVID vaccine, prior SARS coronavirus vaccines, there is a definite concern for antibody-dependent enhancement. This particular virus has very low lethality. Should you give it to healthy people? Not knowing the answer to that question is far too risky, in my opinion, from a national security perspective. You know, the more you dig into this stuff, the more upsetting it gets. So, I gave this talk only once before, about two weeks ago, and I approached the black community. I'd like to just talk straight and openly. I was well aware as a physician that African Americans and other black and brown minority persons had a natural antipathy towards vaccines. And I wanted to give them the science behind it, so I ended up digging deeply into that issue. So let me share some things that I knew some of these things, but I did not know most of these things prior to this year. Many of you in the room, I'm sure, have heard of the Tuskegee experiments. We all know that, okay? But there's a lot more than that. I was, I was curious as to why the antipathy was so strong. So let me give you some examples of where vaccines have gone wrong for black and brown people. So with the rubella vaccine, race and ethnicity were shown to affect the antibody responses like at a higher level than compared to Europeans. With the measles virus, I think many people in this room, um, they also had that same experience. With pertussis, it was also the same. With the inwheat, they also had the same problem with the measles. Haemophilus influenza also had the same difference in their response. And the hepatitis vaccine also had a similar different response amongst races, specifically white boys were 64% less likely to have autism diagnosis relative to non-white boys when they gave the hepatitis vaccine to babies. Now, literally as a physician, I did not know this, right? Here we have examples well documented in the scientific literature of six different vaccines that were affecting people differently based on their races. Now, why is this important? Because when you read the language that the government is putting out about how to prioritize the vaccine, the experimental biological agent, they are making an overt and covert attempt to push this heavily on blacks and browns. I'm going to give you some specific language because it is just shocking. Just bear with me one moment. Okay, the CDC is telling the public at large that getting an experimental vaccine is a good thing, but it's additionally telling black people that getting the vaccine is racial justice and it's an advantage. Now, this is from the centerforhealthsecurity.org interim framework for COVID-19 vaccine allocation and distribution in the US. This is the government's words is that getting the vaccine early is social justice, racial justice. And I just have to say, as a scientist, I found it bizarre that we're talking about racial justice, 
Either something works scientifically or it doesn't. There might be racial differences in terms of dosages. We've seen that now in the prior six. But how is it racial justice to sign up first for an experimental biological agent that we don't know? <laughs> you know, in the same, in this, I believe it's the same document, yes, in the exact same document, they say, the ultimate safety of an approved vaccine is not knowable until it has been administered to millions of people. It is possible that certain adverse effects may occur more frequently in certain population subgroups, which may not be apparent until millions are vaccinated. Pharmacovigilance track and trace systems will provide critical information that will inform adjustments to the, to the allocation. That literally is in the same document as let's give it to black folks first. I, I, you know, you can't even make this stuff up. <laughs> so, um, they also said that, so it was our words, the most disenfranchised members of society are to be vaccinated first. Their words, quote, racial and ethnic minorities, tribal, incarcerated, rural, disabilities, underinsured, people who work in school settings and nurses, and we must prioritize blacks and Latinos to reflect fairness and justice. Now, I, I just find this so incredibly offensive. We know exactly who falls from COVID-19. It's nursing home patients, it's people with 2.6 comorbidities per person is, is average. People over 75 are living in nursing homes. This is who should get the vaccine first if you believe the vaccine is safe and effective. That's it. And I feel very offended on this because, you know, the people who they're gonna target first, honestly, are my friends, which are all the black nurses that I work with in the ERs because I've spent my whole career in the inner city. And so they're all being told, you got to line up, you got to take this. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you're about 45 years old, 50 years old, you know, you're in good health, you're working every day. Why should you be prioritized? There's no actual increased risk to the healthcare worker. There, it, the risk, we know who it is. It's the 80-year-old woman who's living in a nursing home, or man who's living in a nursing home who's got bad heart, bad lungs, you know, diabetes, especially obesity is a big deal. Those people are at high risk, okay? It's not your 45-year-old nurse. It's not your 35-year-old cop, Okay. And, and any other discussion I find very disingenuous. Now, in case you didn't, you know, believe that, you, you went further into these documents and you find the language that, like, they talk about targeting the black community by understanding their, their quote-unquote vaccine hesitancy based on these prior issues with prior vaccines in Tuskegee. But they have, like, actual policies. They say this is from hhs.gov, Strategy for Distributing COVID-19 Vaccine. They say we have to focus on targeting key populations and communities to ensure maximum vaccine acceptance. And they talk about, and they quote the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation about how to manipulate the media and silence opposition to it. And then they put very, you know, famous, handsome, you know, celebrities saying that they're gonna take the vaccine, Obama being one of them. And it's very clear, it's just very, very clear what's going on. So I say to you as a scientist, do you want to be first? If you want to be first to volunteer yourself for track and trace system, enrolling yourself into a medical trial, I don't think I explained that clearly. Let me back up for one second. You, if you take the vaccine, you're being enrolled in a pharmacovigilance tracking system. It means you've enrolled yourself in a medical trial, 
which is fine if you want to be a good-hearted individual, very altruistic, and you want to enroll yourself into a medical trial, fantastic. I can tell you as a physician, very, very few people do that, okay? But if you want to do that, that's fine. But you, most people are not aware that that's what they're doing. This pharmacovigilance tracking system tracks you for two years. It's set up by the Department of Defense. It was handed off to Oracle and Google to, to put the data together. How is it that people want to sign up for this system on an experimental, and how is giving it to black people fair racial justice? I don't know. Maybe someone smarter than me can figure that out. <laughs> um, I also... It also put in, once I started reading these documents about, about what I thought was just pure racism in these documents, it kind of made it clearer to me why we were hearing so much about racial issues with COVID-19. In my experience as an ER doctor, I didn't see any real racial issues at all. We saw white people, Latino people, um, black people, every, you know, people got it. Basically, if you were old and frail and you got it, you know, you were sick. But I never really saw racial difference, and that's not true. There are other things, obviously, that have racial differences. So I remember thinking, this is weird. You know, AOC would get forward and say, oh, well, you know, it's really bad against black people. This is terrible, and it's discrimination and all that. Here's what I want to say to that. It's true that in, there are many areas where black people were disproportionately affected by COVID-19. So an example I like to use was in New Orleans, Louisiana, where blacks made up 31% of the population, but they made up 70% of the people admitted to the hospital with COVID-19. So on the left, they were saying this was because of racism. But when you look at the data, there does not yet appear, and I think never will appear, to be an independent race, to be an independent risk factor, right? We know what makes people really sick. It's diabetes and obesity primarily, and then, you know, other serious medical problems. Now, also, living in a very crowded area, working in a very crowded area. The reason I don't think this is ever going to be shown to be a race problem, race problem, is things that you just know by common sense. One is, it's been all over the world, all races. Okay, we can just start with that. Second is in areas of the world where people are have those high individual risk factors like diabetes or obesity and other illnesses, and the group risk factors such as living and working in tight quarters, it's not black people that get it at a worse rate, it's those people in those situations. So in Louisiana, it was black people, but in the UK, it was Middle Eastern and East Asian. In other words, the people living in those crowded, dense areas that had diabetes, those are the people, it didn't matter what the race was, it just mattered if you, if you had those individual or group risk factors. And of course, the irony of saying that this is really a racial problem is looking at the continent of Africa. For those of you who don't know it, the one continent that's been spared is Africa, except South Africa, but the rest of Africa is, you know, the death rates, you know, in Africa are extraordinarily low. For those of you who don't know this or haven't followed me yet on Twitter at America's Frontline Doctors, there's a lot of videos. One of my favorite is a talk we gave on Sub-Saharan Africa because people just don't know this. So in America, the death rates are in the like 800 range per million. In India, the death rates are around, if, I might be slightly off on the numbers, around 70 per million, right? So it's 10% because they have a very liberal hydroxychloroquine policy. In Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, the poorest places in the world, no social distancing, no masks, no ICUs, they have a death rate of 1% of the Western nations. 1%, 1%, right? Now, I believe it's due to widely available hydroxychloroquine. I don't think you can explain it for any other reason. But even if there's another reason, you certainly can't say that this affects black people worse. <laughs> I, 
would just not be signing up for this immediately. I would, you know, if I was a mom, and I, or I, you know, again, I think of my friends, the nurses. If I was a nurse and I was a mom, I'd be like, you know what, I'll, I'll just wait. Let me, let me just wait a little bit. Let's just see. So we doctors, you know, when we got together about this, we, we decided to um, really come out and say what we thought our opinion was. And a lot of people have told us not to do that, but we felt it was really important. You have, you have the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA all not helping you. So we, we came up with our recommendations about the vaccine, and, and they're pretty strong. Ultimately, America's Frontline Doctors stands as follows. If you're under age 20, the experimental vaccine is prohibited, in our opinion, absolutely prohibited. We simply don't know enough about the effects on fertility, and we do know this virus essentially does not affect young people. Essentially irrelevant. From age 20 to 50, if you're healthy, we strongly discourage. There was a little debate in our group if we would come down to strongly discourage in this group or prohibited. I fell in the prohibited category, but the majority of us said just strongly discourage for age 20 to 50. We strongly discourage the vaccine in age 20 to 50 because there's an exceedingly low risk of death from COVID. There's unknown risk from the experimental vaccine of causing autoimmune disease. There's unknown risk of this pathogenic priming antibody-dependent enhancement. And there is an unknown risk of infert lifelong infertility. So age 20 to 50, we think it is strongly discouraged. From age 50 to 70, if you're healthy, we also say it's strongly discouraged for the same reasons. There's a very low risk from COVID-19. There's an unknown risk of autoimmune disease, unknown risk of pathogenic priming, unknown effect on the placenta. From age 50 to 70, and you are, do have serious comorbid conditions, we say it is discouraged. We say that because we feel the experimental vaccine is higher risk than early or prophylactic treatment with long-established medications such as hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. From age 70 and above, if you're healthy, we tell people it's just your own personal risk assessment. We believe an experimental vaccine is less ideal than old established medicines, but we say leave it up to the person. Over age 70 with serious comorbid conditions such as nursing homes, we also call it to personal risk assessment. We again stand with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin being safer in this population, but we don't think it's irrational to take it if you're over 70 living in a nursing home. We don't think that that's irrational. We're not trying to say all vaccines are unsafe in all circumstances. We don't believe anybody at any age should be pressured, and we are concerned about persons over 70 who don't have advocates being pressured into this. We already know, actually, of many cases like that. But we also don't want people to be overly worried that we're saying it's definitely unsafe. We're not saying it's definitely unsafe. We're saying we don't know. And at least if you're over 70 with several medical conditions, you do have some you know, you have some risk of dying from this thing, so it's not fundamentally irrational to take it if you should decide to take it. But certainly under age 50, we fall at, you know, strongly discouraged. I myself would, I tell everybody, I would never let a woman of childbearing age take this, this, I would never, I would fight tooth and nail under no circumstances until this placenta question is answered. I always like to leave people with a bit of a call to action. 
We intend from America's frontline doctors to fight the urge that's sweeping the globe to mandate people taking an experimental biological agent. This is a big fight we have on our hands. It's not really the government first that we're concerned about. We're very concerned about private businesses mandating this, employers, schools, and travel, airlines in particular. You can imagine if all the airlines got together, the CEOs, and said, you know what, we're just going to mandate this. And all the six biggest ones got together and said that. It's just like the masks, right? You can't avoid their mandates. This is a very big problem. So America's Frontline Doctors is tackling this. We intend to talk to the decision makers in the airline industry. One of our tools in that battle will be to go and armed with at least, at least one million signatures of human beings who are going to say, no, we are not going to do business with anybody and we're not going to comply with anyone who's going to mandate this. Everyone, whether you want to take the vaccine, you want your mom to take the vaccine, that's your choice. But I think everyone hearing this can agree. We don't need the CEOs of big companies forcing experimental biological agents on anyone. What I need you to see now, though, before we get to that point, is that we are going to be at their mercy if we don't get ahead of them. We must get ahead of that bad decision that they seem headed towards making. Qantas Airlines has already said that they're going to do this. We need to go to these airlines. We have a plan, but part of that plan is at least a million signatures. You must go to stopmedicaldiscrimination.org and sign the petition. You also must share that petition with everyone. Do not be shy, okay? This is your life. Are you going to be able to travel? And it's not just your personal, can I travel for fun? But can you advocate? Can you go to Washington DC and advocate if you can't get on a plane? All right, this is really important. Stopmedicaldiscrimination.org, it is your obligation. I've done my part, my doctors have done their part. You must do your part. People come up to me all the time, what can I do? This is such a small thing. Not only do you sign it, you, each of you should take it on yourself to say, I'm going to make sure I get a thousand signatures because I'm going to send it to this Facebook group and that Facebook group and this Twitter. Everyone, everyone everywhere must stop medicaldiscrimination.org. Critical, critical. If you are part of a union, you should be bringing this to the union as a humanitarian or human rights issue. Your union should advocate for you. Now, this may sound strange to people because they think the union's on the other side, and maybe they are, but the union hasn't even heard the facts. If you're part of a union, you should stand up and say, I don't want this forced on me. If you know a pilot, pilot's union, teacher's union, nurse's union, very important. Phrase this as a human rights issue. This is not anti-vaccination. I'm always reminded, please tell people where I stand on the vaccine issue. I personally have been vaccinated for everything. I personally made sure my kids have been vaccinated for everything. This is a human rights issue that we cannot mandate. Human beings take experimental agents. And the, and the, third, and the third call to action is always use the word experiment when you talk about this, always. The, the socialists win the war on, win the language wars. Right? They change language. Remember, I said to you, this was the Wuhan virus. 
Then it became the coronavirus. Then it became COVID-19. This is a battle for words. The, the, the word to remember is not vaccine. The word to remember is experimental. Every conversation you have with people is experimental. Now, if you need backup for everything I've said, all of this is on our website, americasfrontlinedoctors.com. It says big letter, vaccine information. It's also on stopmedicaldiscrimination.org. You've got a 35-page paper with 70 references. Everything is, is, is clean and clear, so you don't have to know all this yourself. It's all there for you. So the call to action, stopmedicaldiscrimination.org. Sign it, share it. Go to your unions. And third, experimental. Teach everyone this is experimental. If you do podcasts, if you talk to people, if you, you know, any, any outlet you have. And we are live. Are you there? Are you muted? Oh, yeah. Now I'm here. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> All right. Well, I love that song. Get your blood flowing, <laughs> that's for sure. Smell the blood of freedom. B5 Obama holds Toledo. I mean, I'm just seeing as I'm listening to this, Nancy, I'm, I'm seeing thousands of people at gatherings singing this, marching with this. Um, and so this came out back in January, and here we are in September. Do we have any updates on, uh, on Dr. Simone Gold? I mean, I've, I've gone, I went right to the website. I went right to both websites that she's urging everybody to go to here. Again, that is americasfrontlinedoctors.org. And also, in order to sign the, um, the petition, um, go to, let's see, it's a slightly different, uh, oh, no, it ended up being the same one. But um, I'll, I'll pull it up in a second here. Um, stop medical. Stop. Okay, go ahead. You got it, right? Stop, stop medical. Discrimination.org, which is a subpage of America's Frontline Doctors. So um, what kind of update do we have? I and mean, when you go to America's Frontline Doctors, uh, you see, you know, they are scrolling, exposing how Dr. Simone Gold was um, defamed and, and smeared, the attempts to uh, discredit her in the wake of this. You know, uh, a board-certified emergency room physician of many years standing right, uh, is now attempting to discredit her. And, you know, they, they have no choice but to attempt to discredit people like Dr. Gold, people like Dr. Christian Northrup. And it's ludicrous, you know, when you look back at their lives, their certifications, their, you know, like with Dr. Christian Northrup, you've got somebody who's been on every major mainstream news platform and show and Oprah and Good Morning America and, you know, with her brilliant work on... Um, you know, for women's health and medicine, like, oh, she comes out with the truth about COVID and suddenly this media darling that she was, you know, they come up with ludicrous attempts to discredit her. And and the same thing apparently with Dr. Gold. I haven't had a chance to look at the details yet. But this is, you know, to, to me, this is just, as you say, this is not fun, but it's the most uh, inspiring thing you know that 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 I've seen, along with with um, Reiner Fulmich in Germany, and the, the thousands of doctors and lawyers who are taking a stand there, based on the Nuremberg Code, 
and that this is a, a crime against humanity. And word is that that is having real teeth, uh, at, at least in Europe, and they're working with, with people here in the U.S. as well, that, that that's really beginning to have an impact. And the possibility of a Nuremberg-style trial of the perpetrators of this crime against humanity uh, is becoming more and more possible by the day. I, I pray I live to see it. That would be the ultimate game changer. Not going to see it on CNN until uh, uh, that would take a, a financial revolution for uh, the puppeteers behind CNN, Fox, MSNBC, etc. Uh, and I know, you know, Fox, we've got some gutsy people like Tucker Carlson on Fox. My hat's off to him. Um, but they need to keep the circus going and you need a, you know, a little, you need a little war going on there to keep people divided. And uh, to, to me, that's what the, you know, right, left, red, blue, Fox, CNN thing is, is basically about in terms of the way the puppeteers handle it. It's another story. But um, so do you have any any further information, Nancy, on, on, on what the latest is with, with Dr. Gold and the really gutsy, brave, brilliant presentation we've seen here? She she's still out there. When, when I was looking, she I I re remembered her as being the doctors, one of the doctors in front of the Supreme Court that she mentioned in in the talk. Right. Um, do you remember that? Yeah. Well, she says twenty million, <clears throat> like overnight. Right. Right. Just, exactly. Right away because uh, it was catching fire. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. Um, so I knew, I knew, I, I when they started talking about it, I said, I think that's the woman that was the doc, you know, thinking that. So Mark had uh, mentioned her, Mark Joseph had mentioned her a, a number of times. So when I was trying to figure out what to do for this show, I specifically started with her. And I, <clears throat> I found different places that she was that are more recent, but they were all very long. And I wanted to be able to do an hour show without too much editing and that, that sort of thing. So I was guided to go back to the January show because, again, she sets it up. What she's talking about, you know, is there a problem with the placenta? Well, yeah, apparently, because a lot of women are having massive problems. So, right. you know, um, is there problems with the um, <clears throat> the immune, <clears throat> what did she call it? Excuse me. Um, you know, where their immune system is overriding everything. You know, it's it's gone into well, hyper. It's fighting back. Um, it's overreacting. That. Right. And you see the statistics. And I've heard, as a matter of fact, Fulmich is, is quoted, the last time I heard from him for, was about a month ago, um, that, you know, it's up to a million deaths. I mean, a half a million deaths. That's what they think is really happening. Now... The, one of the things that that you know you know she's she's confronting that disconnect disconnecting that you have because you can't believe that anybody is doing this and anybody is letting them you know it's just so in, unbelievably in your face stupid what they're doing if if unless they have some you know ulterior motive like you know kill us all um, yeah, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, how difficult is it for people to really grasp that? Yes, they're trying to kill us all, you know. Sorry to bring the reality to your face, but that's what they're trying to do. And it's just so blatantly, how can this happen? Well, please, people, 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 don't you remember World War II? Of course you don't, because they're trying to bury it. 
And how many people died? It wasn't just the Jews. It was the intellectuals. The intellectuals were really the first ones that started going down. And what do you got? You got your doctors and your scientists who are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute here, there's something wrong. And who are they attacking? Those people. Who are the next people they're attacking? People like you and me. People that are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's something wrong. Well, we're, we're not as important as those people because they've got credentials. We're just, you know, dirt in the streets yelling, something's wrong. You know, and, you know, I mean, it's just like, it ha it, we're repeating history. And it's so frustrating to me, Michael, because I, I, I read, I mean, I studied, I, I know that war. I know what happened in those concentration camps. And I came away with it, and I should never have asked that question. How did the German people let this happen? Because right. I'm watching America do the same thing. Yeah. Never should have asked that question. <laughs> right, well, it's unavoidable. And, you know, it was not something that I knew, actually, until it started to be brought out in the context of COVID, that one of the early fears the Nazis played on in attempting to demonize the Jewish population to all of Germany was they have a communicable disease. You are in danger from the mere presence of Jewish people. I did not realize that that was one of the early fear factors uh, that was used. You've heard of that, right? Yes, I have. And as a matter of fact, um, I, I I did another uh, taping thing type of thing. And there was a um, a group of people who, who survived the Holocaust who came together under a rabbi and begged people to pay attention This that they had seen this happen before. And I'm thinking that they may have mentioned it there. Um, but I'd heard, I mean, it, it, no, I didn't know about it. For all my study, I did not know that until now. You know, but we got the people that were in Germany when it started up that are saying, that's what they did to us. Yeah, and then when you get Biden uh, coming out and saying now, you know, that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Fear, despise, demonize those who have chosen not to take this experimental biological agent i'm going to call it eba for short which is what it really is it's not a vaccine and the way dr gold just keeps saying keep naming it words are powerful words create the story this is in fact an experimental biological agent that's the way it's being treated in the the categorization the record keeping you know uh with which is now with what Google, great, that's comforting, you know, in terms of what this is actually characterized as in terms of World Health Organization, CDC. They all know this is an experimental biological agent for, you know, a for a virus with an incredibly low lethality rate. Um, yeah. So anyway, experimental biological agent is one piece of language that I'm going to keep. And it is these words. They are, you know, they are so powerful. And it says, oh, vaccines are safe and the anti-vaxxers are crazy. And, hey, would you refuse to take a smallpox vaccine? Would you refuse, you know, to, you know, all the wonderful. It's like the demonization according to just twisting words so you can twist the story, so you can amp up the fear. That is, that's the pattern. And personally, as a storyteller, you know, you listen to this crowd respond to this doctor telling the truth. And like she said, you recognize it in your bones. You know, I mean, yes, 
facts and, you know, the intellectual processing of facts and using your discernment to figure out, hey, is this fact really a fact? Or, you know, it's a study by who funded the study. What's their bottom line? What are the problems? You know, what could, and then there's intuition. And if you work on it and you develop it, you know, your gut kicks in. Hey, okay, I'm processing facts here and I'm getting an overwhelming gut response to listening to Dr. Simone Gold. And I'm, I'm hearing truth in this woman's voice who's got the background and the certification and the knowledge and the science, and she's also got the compassion and the courage, and it just rings in every note of her voice. So, well, you know, I, um, we, we started having conversation before, but you're, you, we've got two different RN sisters. Your RN sister is somebody who has not drank the Kool-Aid, Exactly. And is able to see the truth. If she listened to to Simone, she would be like, "Oh, oh yes, oh, um, uh, mm-hmm, uh-huh, oh, yeah. mm-hmm, right. You know. Now I've got an RN sister that. Uh, let's see. What she's well. Okay, so let me. People that have heard me, I'm telling this story, but because I'm telling this story because this is what we're confronting. Okay, so um, I had a. A situation where she went off on me about two years ago, and I have honestly not had a conversation with her since, except about a half a dozen regarding football. That was it. And, you know, I know that the only two safe conversations are whether in football with her, right? But it's her birthday, and she has uh, been more like a, a daughter to me than a sister for all these decades. So I call her up and I say, Happy birthday, you know, and and she starts right off the bat telling me about my brother, uh, Jim, who p- apparently has got COVID because he's got the symptoms of COVID. And she starts going off on this. And I have already know that he does not have COVID. I scanned him. He does not have COVID. You know, it was like, does he have COVID? No, he does not have COVID. Okay, so I'm not going to worry about him. Um, so, but she's going off on him, going off about this, and uh, I had just had a conversation, not the hour before, with Mark Joseph regarding uh, ivermectin and the fact that the Japanese government is endorsing it and telling their people to go on it now, prophylactically. And so I, and I, and because she was an RN, and because I wanted to know more about this was I was I'd heard it but I mean this now that the Japanese government has made this I'm going like well let me pay more attention to this and so I asked her about it I said have you ever heard of ivermectin oh my god you know I shouldn't have said that (laughs) because all of a sudden I said because I said ivermectin because the Japanese government just endorsed it and she's like oh yeah all these conspiracy things and blah blah I mean it's like you know, and I said, wait a minute. I said, the Japanese government just endorsed it. I read all the medical journals, and this is just, a, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, I, and she says to me, um, I know how you think, and we're not going to have this discussion. And I said, okay, have a good day. Bump. And I sat there for about three minutes, and then I deleted her from my phone contacts. Because I... I yeah. was totally over it, right? So then she sends me an email. And she, this was like a week later, she sends me an email. And she says, you know, I really want to, you know, have some kind of a relationship with you. And um, 
you, you know, she, how she put it, you never asked me if what my experiences were, were with the, being a frontline, you know, person. And uh, so I said to her, I wrote back and I said, well, you probably, guess you haven't noticed I haven't talked to you in two years. <laughs> uh. You know, about anything. And, you know, then I, then I went into the episode, specifically the episode where, you know, that I was over it. You know, you, nobody talks to me that way. I've never been so disrespected in my entire life. So anyway, so I said, so that's why that happened. You know, I, I, you know you've been deleted from my contact list. And I said, and that's because you said, you know how I think. You have no idea how I think. So then I went into a discussion about, well, you know, the fact that, you know, I've got thousands and thousands of listeners all around the world. They've been with me. If I was crazy, I think they would have noticed. They know I'm a little crazy maybe, but uh, I haven't been I, nobody. Nobody's leaving, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she says crazy things, but then they turn out to be true. Um, so, you know, and, and I've written books on, on these, you know, I mean, hey, you know, have you done any of this, darling? Do you? I said, you may have a better feeling for what's happening in the local hospital. But I know what's happening in England and Germany and France and Spain and Japan and India, all over the world and all over the United States. I know what's happening. Do you have eight to ten hours a day to look at this stuff? How dare you? I mean, I didn't say how dare you. I was, I was just yeah. being very, you know, it took me all day to write this damn thing, you know. But one of the things that she said to me that was like, holy moly, she said, the, she said, I was so relieved when the vaccine came out. Now it's turned into a political thing. And it's an FDA-approved drug. And I was mm. like, what? You don't know that this has not been FDA-approved? How many medical journals did you read to find that that, not find that information? It's yeah. experiment, And she didn't even know it. You know, and so I mentioned that last I saw it was still an experimental <laughs> drug thing, but the the thing that she she really you know did her in. I, I have no, I mean, it broke whatever connection I may have even conceivably felt, which I don't think it was any by that time. But she said to me, um, "We're not going to have this discussion." Um. And I said, "I have been banned from YouTube." My web, my Facebook group is absolutely dead in the water. They have crippled it so bad. I said, when you said that to me, it was another censoring. And I yeah. will not, I will not be censored. You know, yeah. and no, so, so, yeah. so let me just, let me just throw this. So I sent the email to her, but I attached to it two documents. Okay. And one of them says, and one, it's, both of them are really good, but one of them is entitled, The Biggest Hoax Ever Perpetrated on Humanity. And the other one is um, the, the, the experimental <laughs> shot that they're giving you is actually a uh, bioweapon, that the whole thing is a bioweapon, from the COVID itself to the, to the vaccines. And I said, might as well send her, send her the punchline. Instead of nicely giving, if I'd seen Simone's, maybe I would have, if I had that prior to that email reply, I might have sent that, you know, because it's a little easier. But, you know, screw you. You're not going to look at anything I send you anyway, so I might as well send you the ones that I think are the more truthful, even though they are more starkly awful. <laughs> so, but that, that's the difference in, in what we got out there.
You know, what's the difference between my sister and your sister? My, yeah. sis, my sister goes to the Church of Medicine. And in response to her thing that this vaccination is a political thing, I said, and there is nothing political about the refusal to take these things. It's all about God. And then I said to her, and you probably are surprised by that, aren't you? This is, yeah. this is a war. It's a spiritual war, and you're in the church of medicine, and until you see that collapse all around you, which is happening rapidly. But the thing of it yeah. is, Mike, is that they, they let my brother be in pain with a headache. This RN that knows everything about medicine testing him over and over again for COVID, and he had a bleeding brain. Yeah. You know, and a, a bleeding, I'm surprised he's still alive. This has been almost two weeks. Normally, wow. you've, got, you've got hours to stop this. You know, but here, you're all looking at COVID, and that's one of the things that, that's being brought out, is that you go to the hospital, you test positive for COVID. So then you go on the, co the COVID um, standard of care, which is a legal right. document to keep everybody from being sued, right? And you miss the fact that the guy had a bleeding ulcer, and he dies. Yeah, everybody's focused on COVID. Absolutely. And, like, In my case, it's my brother's brain. have just disappeared. There's no concern about any of the other hundreds of you know, viruses or diseases or conditions. I mean, I'm, this is somewhat oversimplification, but yeah, the, the, the focus on COVID is eliminating things. And I would say, you know, that your sister, okay, so she's going to the Church of Medicine. Well, she's probably really going to the Church of Big Pharma. You know, she's not going to call it that because medicine is something else. I mean, you know, my father was a holistic pediatrician in Illinois, really, you know, decades before there even was such a thing as a holistic pediatrician. Um, and so I have a healthy respect for, you know, holistic medicine and for people like Dr. Simone Gold and Dr. Christian Northrup, who is actually a friend of my, of my mom and dad's. Um, but it's like your sister goes to the Church of Big Pharma. And who's the Church of Big Pharma? Well, the puppeteers behind the big pharma companies, the majority stockholders of those companies are also majority stockholders and puppeteers and controllers of corporate media, of military industrial complex, of the you know corrupt financial elite. It's the same folks. There was a study done in Switzerland, supercomputers, tracking all of the investments in all of the sectors of all the major corporations of the world. And they found that the 500 major corporations of the world are in fact controlled by just 50 mega corporations. And those 50 mega corporations are in fact mostly controlled by 15 families. And so that's the church your sister's really going to. Uh, but of course, there's veils behind veils behind veils, and uh, most folks don't know this. It's terribly frightening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> you know, because it to us it's so obvious. I mean, these people are are doing things that. Well, first off, you know, if you just look at 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 what Biden and his group are doing, they are not. 
we are not under the republic. I mean, we used to say we're not under the republic, but we're not under the republic. We're not under the anything that is even vaguely familiar to the Constitution. Because what, tell me, what is the Congress done? He's been making all of these rules. And, and at one point, you remember about the... Um, rents you know that the rents were being not the landlords couldn't get their rents and right. so he, he 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 prolonged that thing and he said well everybody says it's not constitutional but we'll see and in the right. meantime you've destroyed all these landlords while you're waiting for the the supreme court to make a decision on this you've already destroyed all of these these landlords Right, and you know, so their mortgages, you know, go into default, and uh, the banks take the properties, and then guess who buys it up cheap? You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, this is the same old story over and over again of engineered crashes by the elite who then, you know, buy up the world for a song after everybody loses their shirt. I mean, go back to 1815. And the Battle of Waterloo and Wellington and Napoleon and, you know, the financial markets in England are in panic. What if Napoleon defeats Wellington? The whole empire is going to crumble and the securities we bought, which are called consuls, uh, are going to go to the rock bottom and we're all going to be ruined. God, tell us what's happening in Waterloo. We need to know the outcome of that battle. Well, let's just say the controlling financial family that everybody watched and you know we all know who they are uh, they had the best intelligence the fastest horses the fastest boats they had the guys on the front lines as napoleon is fighting wellington and they get the word of napoleon's defeat an hour before everybody else and so the, all the markets are watching they're standing in the exchange in london watching the one guy who's gonna know which way is he gonna go and he signals, sell, sell, sell the consoles, which means, holy crap, Wellington has lost. Napoleon's going to sweep over Europe. The British Empire is done. Jesus, let me sell while I still can. And those securities crash to the absolute rock bottom. And 15 minutes before the news came, the real news came of Wellington's victory over Napoleon, that family bought up England for a song. Thousands of people were ruined, and they bought basically, you know, their own official biography, which you can't get anymore because they realized it was a mistake to let it be authorized. The official biography of that family states that on that date in 1815, the wealth of that family was multiplied by a factor of 1,500 times. And it's the same old mechanism. You know, we've seen it with the landlords now. You know, we saw it in 2008. We saw it in 1929. You know, we saw it in 1907. We saw it in 1872 with these panics. This is what happens when there's a so-called panic. You know, the people who don't know get screwed and the people who set it up buy the world for a song. So, yeah, but now people are uh, people know about it. And they didn't before. This is the thing. This is the revolution. This is why I'm encouraged is that you know, the Internet tries to may to control it. You know, so we're sitting here. OK, we're sharing to a small audience, much bigger audience if we hadn't been deplatformed, if, you know, YouTube and Facebook, et cetera. But it's getting out there. Whereas in not really, not really. We've had a double in our listenership since we got banned from YouTube. Oh, all right. Yeah, that's no. a bad 
right? <laughs> Everything they do blows up in their faces. Yeah, over and over. And it's funny because I've got another sister. I come from a big Irish Catholic family. I've got two sisters. There were seven boys in a row before we hit a girl, then a boy, then a girl. So uh, the first sister, my sister Sarah, she's, she's an RN uh, in the Portland, Oregon area, lives across the river in Washington State. As I think I shared, the uh, governor of Washington State went into lockstep with the cabal-controlled governor of Oregon across the river and said any medical worker who uh, refused to get vaccinated would lose their license on September 1st. As you know, 30 years of, of service as an RN, and my sister's going to lose her license because she refuses to partake in an experimental biological agent. And she was saying, well, I'm not doing it. I'm going to file for uh, an exemption, a religious exemption. We'll see if I get it. I need to circle back to her. I'd love to have her on the show, in fact, if she's willing to talk. Um, and so, God bless my brave sister Sarah, who, by the way, coincidentally, has a very strong spiritual life. And I have a, uh, another sister. And I, I had a conversation, this is like two, three years ago, before all this hit. And I was trying to explain to her, she's like, Michael, what is this work you're doing? What is this Templar thing? What is this human rights thing? I mean, you know, like there's some evil conspiracy to depopulate the world. And I said, well, here's the evidence. Here's their own statements. Here's the previous, you know, and she said, Michael, if they wanted to just kill us all, it's not that hard. They could just kill us. And I said, no, slow down a second. There's eight and a half billion people in the world. And in order to, I mean, they've tried many different ways, you know, and, and pandemics and war are the primary means by which the evidence indicates this is intended to be accomplished. You know, AIDS, SARS, you know, swine flu, whatever they can try to make fly. And so I just wish I'd been able to say to her, okay, little sister, here's what's going to happen. You need worldwide consent to 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 do this and so that needs fear and that's going to need a disease and then the disease is going to need a vaccine and both the disease and the vaccine are going to advance the depopulation and then in the meantime you actually need an electronic network in place to exacerbate the symptoms and to depress the immune system and have everybody believe it's going to get them nice swift clear cell phone reception oh verizon 5g yeah you know okay we're going to do that and i mean if i had had the, the ability to predict all that to her she was like, oh right yeah, there's going to be some huge pandemic over something that's really just a common cold if you take, you know, ivermectin or hydrochloric. Right, Michael, sure, yeah, very likely that that's going to happen. And people are just going to line up to take this, right. You know, because this is what's happened. And, and you know, you and I, Nancy, when you're talking to Mark Steele a year and a half ago, two years ago, two and a half years ago, God bless us, since we started Radio 5G, you know, there's Mark over in the UK, trying to tell us it's a killing field. It's a killing field. They're trying to kill us all. You know, and I'm just going, Mark, I, I know they are, but like it's really not there yet because if people start dropping like flies from 5G, I mean, what are they going to say? Surprise, surprise. It's a pandemic. And all those crazy people who think it has anything to do with that wonderful 5G network 
are wacko and we need to demonize them and lock them up. And the same for all the people who are trying to, like Dr. Simone Gold. I'm just so encouraged by her, inspired. You know, it's it's really just the, the clarity and the guts that she's putting forward are like the best news I've heard in a long time. Well, you know, I, it's an interesting thing because I've spent my whole life looking at the world. And every once in a while, I get somebody or something that knocks me into the third dimension and I have to deal with a local neighborhood zoning problem of one sort or another, right? Right. So, so the most recent one um, was initiated back in September of 2020. And instead of having a, they want to incorporate this unincorporated area of Miami-Dade, five square miles. And the vast majority of it is residential. A good portion of it has a train station and, you know, facilities for gas and oil. I don't even know what this stuff is. So you're really dealing with a residential area with no tax base except the people that are living here. And they want to build a new city. Well, this has been going on for 20 years. Mm. So I don't want to get into all the details of it, but basically the Zoom, they set up a Zoom thing because it was September of 2020 instead of a hearing where hundreds of people would come out and, call, and just scream at them, whose house are you going to take to be the mayor's house? <laughs> you know, stuff like oh. this, right? And so it never could get going. But they used the pandemic to be able to um, have a Zoom meeting. And I and only the owners of the property were this was announced to. Even though the voters should it come to a vote is everybody that's resident there, rental or owner. Um, so, but the owners we were notified, and and so I dutifully go. I'm so pissed off about this. I can't see straight, but I'll get on that Zoom call and I'll I'll tell them what I think, you know. And so I get, yep, you're registered and everything. That was on the 21st of September. On the 29th, the day before they're supposed to have this. Oh well, it's been canceled. That's what you see, okay. But then if you read it, it says. Um, for technical reasons, and we're going to uh, send you another email with another link and blah, blah, blah. Well, when we signed up, we signed up to speak for or against. Yeah, I had to indicate it. Uh, or are you there just for information? And um, so I had signed up to speak against it. Well, so we go to the meeting, and all of a sudden they say, oh, there's nobody left to speak. And I'm going, I'm a, what, what are you talking about? I never spoke. Well, it turned out there was over a hundred of us that this happened to, right? Uh, okay, so, you know, total voter suppression, total voter suppression. But they decide that they're going to send it up to the commission, the county commission to decide. I'm not even going to get into that fiasco. But what happened was it forced us <clears throat> to go into, uh, oh, one of the things that they did was they made it a special election. Instead of waiting for 22 when they had the, you know, the midterm election, okay, which would cost nothing to put this special question on the ballot, they're having a special election that's going to be, well, it was like six weeks from when they decided to do it, so it's going to be this November, 
Okay, so we've got six weeks to go into our neighborhood who have not been notified of anything because most of them are renters to tell them that there's a really bad problem happening here and you've got to help us. And there's no midterm to draw them to the, to the vote to begin with, with other things. It's this one question. And they, they're spending $94,000 to do this. You talk about ramrodding a voting situation, right? So, so we go, we start going around, and, and this is what I'm getting to. It's a long story, but what I'm saying is, it, it's like the macrocosm and the microcosm, okay? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of reasons, especially the the COVID fears, you know, people don't want to talk, open their doors to strangers, regardless <laughs> of what, you know. Yeah. So it's it's it, it it was a very daunting task, and the guy that was really the forefront of putting up a website and everything else, he was over it. I mean, I had to talk him down from the ledge because he was just so infuriated with how badly we had been treated, disrespected, and we certainly weren't being heard. But um, So anyway, but all of a sudden, all these people started coming out of the woodwork. And now he's like, well, we can win this. Look at all these people. Look at all the money they're giving us, you know? So we go out. uh, Last Sunday, we have a... Uh, a section that we're going to these people all of us are going door to door to tell people but we've got a list of the resident the 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 uh voters that are registered so we've got their addresses right yeah so so it's not as daunting as it could have been because you're talking about thirty-five thousand people are here well we only need to look at ten thousand you know those are the people that are registered voters so we we my my buddy across the street, he's been with me every time we had these fights. So on Sunday, we I mean, I was looking for an excuse not to go out. We'd been out the Sunday before, and we spent two hours, and we, oh, it, it, you know, I'm out of shape. He's out of shape. He's got a hip problem. You know, a lot of reasons we could have walked away from it. But he says, ah, let's just go. So we get in the car, and the first street to get to this place that we're going is blocked off construction. The next street down is got some accident we can't get through again now if i had been driving i would have said oh my guides are telling me don't bother going that's the way i would have read it right but no he says to me you got are you in a hurry (laughs) no i'm not in a hurry (laughs) you know so he goes down another one and that now we're out of our neighborhood and he actually gets lost for about 10 minutes 15 minutes and he finally pulled over and put the gps address in right it was i was like i just kept laughing because this was insanity the thing is only not even 11 minutes away from our house right and we're out there running around so finally we get to the area we're supposed to be we go to the first house indicated nobody's home we put the thing on the door we've got you know flyers on the door we we go we 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 the next per, the next house it, the first one was like 800 the next one is 810 so you think it's well it's down the street a bit right at least five houses so we get back into the car only to find out no it was the next door house so we basically drove into the next driveway you know talk about lazy people uh but then we get out of the thing and we got the i've got a big old sign that I'm, i hold up so that they can see why we're there right it's one yeah. of our signs so i'm out there he pushes the button and i'm telling you the woman the woman jumped out of her house oh you're here you're here i've been trying to get a hold of you people and so to make a long story short she took the list 
she took all of our supplies and kept saying, I've got this. I'm going to go to every house. I will talk to them. I will get them to the polls. I'm telling you, you know, she was this vibrant black lady. I mean, you know, black women, they, they, they're always much older than they look. But she was young and full of energy, and you know, I just—I was just so much in love with this woman that she just jumped out of her house and took all this work away from us, and so you know, we went home. Yeah, but wow. but the thing of it is, I've I've lived, you know, he's been my neighbor for 20 years, and I've never heard this ever come out of his mouth. And, and I don't know what his religion is, his spiritual, nothing about it. But he looked at me and he said, did God do this? Hmm. You know, and, and that that's the point of the game here, you know. It's like, it's a daunting task that we have. But we've got God behind us because so many good people, good, good, caring, loving, what we're fighting for, Michael. You know, so so I was beat up. I I admit that I was beat up by our 5G, COVID, crazy people, cabal, all. I was getting really burnt out and beat up. And then I got this neighborhood thing on top of me, and I'm going like, this is not fair. But the neighborhood thing is filling me with a real feeling of goodness in my own neighborhood. Yeah. You know, so there's many layers to this story that we're all living through. And, uh, you know, you never know. I mean, you never know when something that you really think you don't want to do turns into being just a gift from God. Yeah, when you you push past the obstacle. You go, oh, the obstacle means this isn't meant to be. Well, no, the obstacle means you're in a war and there's going to be obstacles and you need to push past them. Well, I wouldn't have, but Frank did. You know, that's what I'm saying, too. You know, it's like I would have backed up. No, he he, uh, he said, no, we're going to do this, you know. So. Yeah. There's, there's a wonderful scene, uh, Tom Hanks' movie, Julia Roberts, Charlie Wilson's War. You know that movie? No, but you've mentioned it before. Okay, yeah. So it's it's about this congressman from Texas who, very obscure congressman who happened to be in a committee that allowed him to spearhead the effort to get um, weapons to the Mujahideen when they were fighting the Soviets in Afghanistan, right? And he basically, this guy, this obscure congressman from Texas, Charlie Wilson, totally turned around the war in Afghanistan and defeated the Soviets. Um, and it was the crumbling of the Soviet empire. And then the next thing you know, the Soviet Union dissolves, you know, two, three years later. Uh, but it's a great movie, fantastic script. And, uh, so he's, you know, Charlie Wilson is this scandalous congressman. I mean, he's a fantastic character. Tom Hanks plays him. And, you know, he sort of womanizes and he drinks and, you know, but he's he's got his little district in Texas that keeps reelecting him. And um, and in one scene, I think he's talking to Julia Roberts about, you know, it's like, well, Charlie, what, what kind of control does your committee have? And he says, well, you know, I'm I'm funded. I'm Israel's man on the hill. So we don't have any Jews in your district. And he says, no, I know, I, you know, but, but then he starts to explain, I want to tell you a story. When I was 12 years old, I had a dog in my little town in Texas, and I loved my dog. My dog barked a lot. Neighbor across the street, he didn't like my dog barking. And one day, he put out a nice piece of red meat for my dog with ground glass in it. 
And I had to watch my dog slowly die in agony because this guy across the street didn't like my dog barking. And it just so happened that that guy was running for re-election as the sheriff. And I went around, I went around on my bicycle all through that little town, especially to the black folks. And I said, see that man running for sheriff? He murdered my dog. He killed my dog. And uh, I'd like to just make sure that you folks know that. And I got a car. My daddy's let me borrow and I can drive you to the polls on election day. And he spent all day long on election day driving those folks to the polls. It's like what you're talking about. Your lady gets the gets the flyers from me, gets the signatures. I'm on this. And he said, and that man who killed my dog, he lost by 12 votes. He said, and that is the day that I fell in love with democracy. <laughs> you know, so we do have the power. We do still have the power. Uh, if we exercise it, if we get lit up, you know, and I get lit up listening to Dr. Simone Gold, for sure, you know, and Dr. Tenpenny and Dr. Northrup and Rainer Fulmich and all these brave people. And this is the other thing. You know, you listen to somebody's voice. Okay, we hear the ring of truth in uh, Simone Gold's voice. We also can just look at it and say, okay, am I going to believe a paid corporate shill in the media or am I going to, you know, or a doctor who is telling you, no, you're going to get fired because our major big pharma provider is discouraging the use of hydrochloroquine. And so therefore, on a strict financial profit basis, I'm going to fire you for um, helping your patients recover from this. Um, Are you going to believe those people? Or are you going to believe somebody, you know, those people got a clear profit motive and they're scared. Or are you going to believe somebody who's risking their livelihood, their reputation, their ability to provide for their families, and in some cases even their lives, in order to speak the truth? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the folks who have guts and integrity as opposed to somebody who's got a clear profit motive, who is ignoring the science and repressing a proven method that will save lives. That's who I'm going to go with. And, um, you know, that's those are the kind of folks back in 3D in your neighborhood there, Nancy, that get lit up. I mean, so that was on a municipal issue about creating a new township or something in Miami-Dade. That wasn't about the pandemic, right? This is scary. Uh, no, it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It was a local, you know, somebody, and, and it's the same type of people. I mean, the, the, the people behind this, they're looking for jobs. They want to be the mayor. They want to be the uh, sheriff. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and uh, there uh, is nothing, when you look at their ad, advantages of why you would incorporate, they are as stupid as the things that they're saying about the COVID. It's absolute yeah. stupidity. And that's why when you go out and you say to people, this is what they want to do, and this is what will happen. And they, they look at you like, are you kidding me? Right. Well, they think they can get away with it if they just you know, ram a special election down people's throats on a day that nobody's thinking they have to go to the polls. It's not a midterm. You get six weeks and you have good luck informing your neighborhood such that and we've got more money to ram this thing down. So, yeah, it's a total it's a it is what you call a complete perversion of democracy. How can we make sure that the people do not vote how can we make sure that they are not informed and that they do not vote <laughs> that's 
that's been the principle of oligarchy basically for all time. It, yeah, and, and that's why I say it's just the strangest thing, you know. But uh, to be honest with you, um, I just did a YouTube on this and laid out all of the uh, essentially voter suppression that's involved in it. And I'm going to find out who's supposed to be the people that are in charge of watching the voter suppression. And I'm going to report everything that they did. Whether we win or lose, I'm going to pursue this. because. Oh, I thought this was back in 2020. This is No, this is right now. This is right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. because because we been just interesting news. Yeah, um, I'm yeah I'm going to, first thing I'm going to do is uh, contact the local because there was one local newspaper type online thing, and he said uh, about one of these people that he's all but calling himself he's all but nominated himself as mayor, and there there were you know uh-huh. there was things that, that the guy said that I'm going like he didn't like him either. <laughs> Apparently, he comes off, he comes off as being this charming charming man, but then you realize he's a snake. Ah, uh, <laughs> a charming snake. A charming Stop. snake. Yeah, and and uh, I guess this this. So I'm going to go to those people and say, look at this. Just look at this YouTube. I'll get, I've actually got the text. Look at this text. You yeah. tell you tell me if you don't see voter suppression. Yeah, and somewhere, you know, if there isn't a law against it, and there probably are some on the books, depending on what state you're in, you know, you just got to wake people up to it and and say, uh, this is an attempt to suppress the will of the people, and uh, you're either going to be taken advantage of by it, or you're going to stand up and do something. And, you know, you're a student of history. I mean, you can see it's the same pattern of, you know, oligarchy versus the people, that plays out from you know ancient Greece to Rome to you know medieval England, early America, you name it. You know, once you start to see the pattern, you know, it's like okay. And it's like Thomas Jefferson said, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance, and uh, you cannot expect to be carried from tyranny to freedom in a feather bed. It's going to take. Uh, some struggle and some fighting sometimes yeah well it ain't no feather bed that's for sure (laughs) no it isn't but so um yes everybody please go over there and sign that even if it was in january i'm sure that is something still happening over there um there are those articles and you can find her uh and I'm sure if you look up under the uh, the website, there's probably, uh, you know, access to some of the shows they've done. But again, it's it's like don't go to Google for this or even YouTube. You can't find them that way. You got to go to Rumble, BitChute. Uh, what's the other right. one? Uh, yeah, and if you want a good you know search engine that's not controlled by the cabal, uh, you can go to ecosia.org. Um, and also on americasfrontlinedoctors.org in terms of the, the recent articles. Um, they've got a very recent article from August 29th of this year, The Science and Ethics Regarding Risk Posed by Non-Vaccinated Individuals. It's a position paper just laying out um, you know, the actual issues um, you know, in order to uh, expose the truth about this effort to demonize the non-vaccinated. Which, uh, you know, it's just scary. Even in my remote corner of Colorado, 
you know, that uh, people are buying this. And it's just, it's insane. Uh, but you just got to come with people with facts and then band together like, like they're doing at FrontlineDoctors.org and say, you will not. You know, you're going to pay a financial price, airlines, if, if you attempt to mandate a, and again, use the right language, mandate an experimental biological agent that is not approved and, you know, to mandate that we take this, you're going to pay a financial price, you know. And it's hard to beat that monopoly if six airlines, six major airlines get together and they go, well, you know, I can't fly a crop duster from county to county to get from L.A. to Chicago. You know, I need a major airline. And so I'm just, well, you know, how bad could it be? I'll just get vaccinated. Oh, I need a booster to follow up that. Oh, there's a new strain. I need something to follow up that. Oh, gosh, my wife just had a miscarriage. Oh, uh, oh, my you know, teenager just had a seizure. Oh, but the doctors assure me it's not a vaccine injury. You know, this is why nurses are quitting. This is why people like my sister are giving up. You know, she's moved, trying to move out of state from Washington state to find a state that hasn't yet, you know, swallowed the pill of uh, mandating vaccinations, mandating experimental biological agents uh, for health workers. Ay, ay, ay. Times to live in. But anyway, so front, America's Frontline Doctors.org, they do, you know, they are on top of it. They've got very, you know, very current um, information and articles they're publishing about this. Um, and uh, Cost of Courage. Right yeah. now, it's, it's, great, it's a great site. Please go well, to it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I want to I just, and I, I tell this all, all the time, because it's such a good indicator of what's really happening. The Fox Network has uh, got so many viewers because they've all left CNN. Uh, CNN, if they get a million viewers on their news broadcasting, that's a good day for them right now. And, yeah, amazing. <clears throat> but the, amazing, the really amazing one is um, Greg Gutfeld's show that goes off at 11 to 12 Eastern Time on Fox. Now, he, 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 he's got a, a, five people will be there, and they talk about current events. But they also tear it apart. Like, you know, they just make fun of half of what they're talking about because it's all, you know, fodder for, for, for comedy, the way that they are presenting all this. And, and what's happening is that Greg has now got more viewers than all of the other late-night people combined. Okay? Oh, wow. Think of what that means in, in who's paying attention What's what's really happening here? And you've got he is he's the king of nightlife and late night. Sorry. And when when you look at the numbers that he's getting, you got to feel really good about this because that means that all of those other BS people have been shut down, and people are watching a show that, in my opinion, is not that great a show. I mean, it's jokes. They, they tell some of the worst jokes in the world. They get bleeped all the time because they swear through the whole thing. You know, it, it's, it's just a, 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 like nothing you've ever seen before on television. And people are just watching him. That's well, a good indicator. That. Yeah, it's like John Lennon's old song, Give Me Some Truth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and entertainment. They, they don't try to program anybody. 
you know uh they're just they're just sitting there like average people but average people who it reminds me of what we used to do we'd have conversations and yeah. you know you'd you'd sometimes go off on a well isn't this the stupidest thing we've ever talked about you know but well, i listen to you know i watch stephen colbert sometimes oh, brilliant comedian yeah. brilliant man and you watch the slow decline of that guy he is the most pathetic nauseating corporate puppet in terms of, you know, whatever, the latest thing that he needs to trot out to ridicule hydroxychloroquine or, you know, ivermectin. It's pathetic. This is a brilliant, talented man who is just a total corporate slave. So you get, you got some other guys who aren't as witty or brilliant a comedian, but they're telling the truth. Like John Lennon said, you know, I'm sick to death by hearing things from uptight, short-sighted mama's little hypocrites. Just give me some truth. So uh, we're reaching our last minute here, um, and thanks to Dr. Simone Gold. And let me just say it again, stopmedicaldiscrimination.org to uh, sign the petition to stop vaccine passports. And um, then there's americasfrontlinedoctors.org. Lots of great current information there. Share it with everybody who still has ears to listen, and hopefully that's a lot of folks. So um, from Radio 5G... Got any final words for us, Nancy? Just be safe. Be safe. God bless. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.